welcome to the Madden America podcast, your source for science, psychiatry and social justice. Hello, this is James and welcome to the Madden America podcast. We have a special episode today which is devoted to recent developments in the UK involving the Royal College of Psychiatrists. Professor Reid from the University of East London took time out to bring us up to date on the response to a formal complaint lodged with the UK Royal College of Psychiatrists on behalf of a group of 30 academics, psychiatrists and people with lived experience. Professor Reid, thank you so much for uh, taking the time out to talk to us again in what's the middle of quite an exciting time for anybody involved in this uh, complaint. So just to remind listeners really of, of you know what's led up to this. So on March the 9th this year, uh, a group of 30 academics, psychiatrists and people with lived experience wrote to the UK Royal College of Psychiatrists to challenge public statements that senior members of the college had made about antidepressant withdrawal in the Times newspaper. And really, um, John, I'm grateful to catch up with you because since submitting that complaint on March the 9th, I believe there's now been a response from the college. So I just wondered if you, if it was okay if you could kind of take us through what the response says and, and what the reaction has been of the people that wrote the initial complaint letter. Yeah, glad to, James. Good to be with you again. Just to back up ever so slightly, just to remind listeners what the statement said that we took offence to. The statement said in, in the Times, written by the president and the chair of the Royal College's Psychopharmacology Committee, they claimed that, quote, the vast, and the vast majority of people don't experience uh, uh, withdrawal symptoms from sorry, withdrawal symptoms from antidepressants in the vast majority of people don't last beyond two weeks. Uh, this is blatantly false, of course, and all the research says says so. Um, and there isn't any research to support them. So we just we did write to them before we lodged the complaint, asking them to retract or provide the evidence. They didn't provide any evidence, nor did they retract. So hence the complaint. So here we are now, um, and their response, unfortunately, has made things even worse. Their response ranges, the, the re, they have rejected the complaint, which is no surprise to us, of course. Uh, they've refused to retract the statement. They've still failed to produce any evidence. And they've given four reasons why they retract, which range from the irrelevant to the disingenuous. So let me just, uh, just a, a sense of uh, how they've re responded. They talked about the letter in, in the uh, Times um, was uh, probably edited. They don't say it was. They imply that it was edited. Uh, and that implies, of course, that there was some research that they would have included had they had space. But interestingly, they don't send us a copy of the original letter, uh, which they claim or imply was edited. And we've asked them for that. Um, obviously, we don't expect to get it because we're not really sure that that was true on their part. So that was their first sort of response. And it gets worse because they talk about some. Um, the part of the evidence we submitted to show that this claim was false was their own evidence from their own website. Mm. They had a, a rather good study of 800 service users. It was great to see the college actually listening to service users. Um, it was an excellent study of 800 people showing that withdrawal from antidepressants often lasts beyond two weeks. And that amazingly disappeared within 48 hours of they're making those false statements, and within 12 hours um, of the College uh, of the Council for Evidence Psychiatry challenging them, saying 
you can't make that statement because your own website says it's false. Then that miraculously disappeared. They come up with a range of reasons, um, all misleading about why they took it down. They said they took it down because it was out of date. We've checked and there's 50 on there that are also out of date that haven't come down, et cetera, et cetera. So what we've written about their withdrawal of that um, website is this is in our response to them, to withhold or suppress research evidence because it is potentially embarrassing to two senior officials who have made a public statement that is contradicted by that evidence, might be seen to position the college beyond the traditional parameters of scientific practice. And the 30 of us go on to then say, to then present reasons for doing so, which any impartial observer would consider to be misleading, in conjunction with the various other examples of misleading statements identified in your response might be seen to position the Royal College beyond the traditional parameters of professional ethics. Um, our biggest concern, however, was a blatant misrepresentation of NICE guidelines in their response to our complaint. NICE is the National Institute for um, Clinical Excellence. And in the absence of any evidence to support their two-week claim, which we keep asking for but never get, um, they send us a statement by NICE, um, which, except, which says um, that doctors should, quote, explain that symptoms are usually mild and self-limiting over about one week, which would seem to support them if there was any evidence behind that. And we've looked very carefully and there actually isn't any in the NICE guidelines to support that. Mm. So that is just NICE making the same mistake as Professors Burns and Baldwin. But most importantly in all of this, the Royal College left out the second half of that sentence, which says, quote, but can be severe, particularly if the drug is stopped abruptly. So they actually doctored that sentence um, in, a, in an official document dealing with a complaint about minimizing the effects of antidepressant withdrawal. So what we have said about that is that this compounds the offense and is a matter of grave concern. We didn't expect them to, to look favourably on the complaint. We, we, un, we understand it. We put them in a difficult position. But the level that they've sunk to in responding to it beggars belief. Um, so we have written back to them, as I said. Uh, we've asked them 14 questions about their procedure. I won't go into all of those because the procedure they followed was, was very strange. Their letter of response didn't understand that when you respond to a complaint, you have to explain what you did, um, who was interviewed, what the procedure was, et cetera, et cetera. There was nothing. It, it just said from the registrar, I have decided. As astonishing. So we have 14 questions about what they actually did. We want to know who doctored that sentence. Um, we want to know who was involved. Um, were anybody, any people with uh, in receipt of drug company money involved, et cetera, et cetera. And then we will decide whether to lodge an appeal with them or to take it to another higher body. So I'll, I'll stop there. We'll watch this space. We've given them 14 days to reply to our 14 questions. Uh, we'll see what see what happens after that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think, John, you know, just personally for me, obviously being a signatory to the complaint, then, you know, like you, I, I you know, I had realistic expectations about what the outcome might be. But I think... You know, I, I did expect at least some effort to provide some evidence that 
backed up their public statements and to not receive that i think that you know that's what disappointed me most is that you know this is a an issue of the evidence base supporting those statements in part isn't it and to to not even appear to make the effort to find the evidence that backs up their claims that to me made it feel like they weren't taking the complaint at all seriously in any way yeah i i couldn't tell james whether they they spent hours and hours looking for it and it just isn't there or they just couldn't be bothered to look for it. I, 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 I really don't know. But it's actually worse than that because we provided them two or three pages, as you know, okay. with with research, not only their own study, but even larger studies than the 800, several studies showing that it's about 50% of people uh, experience withdrawals, and et cetera, and a lots, quite a few studies showing that it's way beyond two weeks for a significant number of people. They didn't even comment on that research. They didn't critique it and say, actually, this is not this is not good research. This is they just ignored it, um, or at least they are. Let's be more cautious. So they are acting as if they were an, uh, a profession that's not interested in research. Yeah, absolutely. And and well, certainly, John. You know, I just you know, I, I know I'm a signatory to the letter, but I I want to thank you and and the other professionals for continuing with this because it's important that this issue is not let go and not you know is is followed up on. So I'm very grateful for that. And I also wanted to mention a, a few days after the response, um, the Royal Society of Medicine released a podcast where they interviewed uh, Professor Simon Wesley and Dr. Claire Gerarda. And uh, in listening to that podcast, they do talk a little bit in that about antidepressants and about antidepressant withdrawal. And again, there, there were some, um, some statements made during that podcast, which I guess fall into this similar category of perhaps where's the evidence for that. So I just wondered if we could talk a, a little bit about that interview. And, and, you know, obviously we'll provide a link to it so people can listen to it themselves. But what were your reflections on hearing those comments? So, yes, that was, uh, that was an interesting podcast James we had uh, two very eminent people talking for quite a long time about antidepressants uh, specifically about withdrawal in fact um, I'm not sure it was a, a coincidence that this happened right in the middle of this um, complaint process and the publicity that's generated around withdrawal it does sometimes feel that the some of the statements that come out aren't actually sort of just accidents and carelessness sometimes it feels a bit more like a concerted effort to minimize the uh, withdrawal effects of antidepressants. So anyway, we have uh, Simon Wesley, the ex-president of uh, the Royal College of Psychiatry, and Claire Gerarda from the Royal College of GPs. I think actually they should actually declare when they do joint interviews that they are actually husband and wife. Um, I think that would be a proper thing to do. But anyway, it started off with Simon um, talking about the excellent article in the New York Times recently by Ben Carey, where Ben goes at great goes into great lengths to document the withdrawal effects and uh, long-term abuse and overuse, etc. But to listen to Simon talk about it, you'd think it was an article about how effective the drugs were. Um, it was very strange. And then it got even stranger because Claire, who's a very uh, undoubtedly an esteemed and respected GP, um, talking about having seen 10,000, tens of thousands of, of patients with mental health problems and only ever having seen uh, less than five. She could count them on one hand, the people she had seen with withdrawal effects from antidepressants. And this is a problem because the research uh, says quite clearly we've got about five studies now showing that on average about 50% of people when they come off, try to come off or reduce, 
50% experience withdrawal effects and uh, with a high proportion of those describing them as severe. So there's a huge difference between 50% and less than you know, a fraction of 1% that this particular GP is, is, is reporting. And one has to wonder whether that's because there's a difference of what happens when you ask or when perhaps you don't ask. But something strange is going on there, and that's a very different... Uh, so Claire's experience or her report of her experience is very different from what people on antidepressants actually say when you actually ask them. But it got even stranger than that because she went on to advocate using antidepressants in a preventative way, which I find quite disturbing. She talked about, um, quote, the need for doctors to move away from this fear that is being propagated by the media and certain other people, unquote, about prescribing antidepressants. And this is a strange statement in a context of about 65 million prescriptions a year already. We have one in 10 people now, which means one in seven, roughly, one in seven women, because women are given them twice as often as men. And yet here we have, and, and Claire isn't the only person advocating for more antidepressants. Uh, I haven't heard a, a, a suggestion we should use them preventatively before. Um, that's particularly concerning. But she certainly isn't alone in suggesting that we need more of them rather than less. And this is all rather disturbing. Um, but I'd rather move us on to some some positive developments that are, have occurred in the past week, um, which are really going to get us to a better situation where uh, hopefully there's less indiscriminate prescribing and certainly people who are withdrawing are getting the support and the proper information, accurate information about withdrawal that they need. Uh, just just yesterday, we had the first uh, meeting of Public Health England's uh, expert advisory board um, who are advising Public Health England in their very exciting uh, review that they are doing on behalf of the uh, British government into uh, dependence on prescribed medicines mm. and antidepressants is on the list of drugs that are being looked at. So that's very exciting. Last week, we heard the Scottish government here that their petitions committee here, the petition from Marion Brown and hundreds of other people uh, about antidepressant withdrawal in Scotland. They've got a very favourable hearing. And I think as we speak, um, the Welsh Parliament is uh, hearing a similar similar petition. They are, yeah. And yeah, it's all it's very exciting. So in the real world um, of evidence-based research and um, official bodies who are actually interested in the well-being of, of people who are on these drugs, um, things are going quite well. And uh, particularly heartened by something that happened in our House of Lords on on Friday, where the Earl of Sandwich raised this whole issue of our of our complaint um, about the statement made by Professors Burns and Baldwin, and I'll, I'm going to quote from Hansard, which is Parliament's official record from Friday. Quote: This statement has appalled a large number of psychiatrists and patients who have lodged a complaint with the college, including some who have experienced withdrawal effects for between 11 months and 10 years. So there you are, James. You were just mentioned in the House of Lords. Good on you. <laughs> Even the Royal College's own survey of 800 users found that withdrawal symptoms generally lasted for up to six weeks, with a quarter reporting that lasted more than three months. And he goes on to say, if even one of our leading institutions, i.e. the college, can mislead Times readers on a matter of public safety, 
what hope does the government have of explaining these things to the general public? So there we have a statement in the House of Lords that the college has indeed misled the public. And I don't think they can hide anymore. I hope they can just begin to uh, realise that the days when they can just make any old statement they like to pursue their agenda of medicalizing human distress or just promoting the rather narrow biological view of distress that they that their profession has or whatever their agenda is um it's it's over they cannot just continue to do that and and get away with it so we're keen when this is all over to sit down with them and sort of start again and um put all this behind us and find a positive way to provide proper information and proper services for people who are struggling to to come off antidepressants. Well, you know, as I say, John, to repeat, thank you so much to you and and the others for for not being willing to let this issue go and to follow it through. You know, I think it it is incredibly important that they are held to account on these statements. The public awareness of this is so important and I'm so grateful to you all for for following this through. Thank you. And I'd like to end by saying that those of us who come at it from a research or clinical perspective are also it's very important to us that there are 10 signatures like yourself who uh, who have been struggling with these issues because that you're the people that it's actually about. And just to note, in ignoring the research um, in, in, around this complaint, the college has also literally ignored the 10 of you because you have in our complaint, we named, didn't we, how long each one of you have been experiencing withdrawal symptoms. And they have actually ignored the 10 of you as well. And that is equally important to ignoring all the research. So I just wanted to say that and say, it's good that we're all working together. And I I think we're actually making some real progress. John, thank you so much. You know, I I know I'm so grateful to you for taking the time because I know how much is going on around this. And it's quite a, you know, it can be quite a a stressful time. So thank you so much for for making time to talk about this. It's, uh, it's really good to better update people. So thank you. Very welcome, James. Take care. So my thanks to John for bringing us up to date. And if you wanted to find links to the supporting information discussed, including where to find the Royal Society of Medicine's interview with Professor Wesley and Dr. Gerarda, you can find them on the post that accompanies this podcast on maddenamerica.com. So thank you for listening. And until next time, take care. Thank you for listening to the Madden America podcast. Visit maddenamerica.com for more news, views and updates. 